Welcome to the Innovation and in Government Show, sponsored by Kerasoft. Each month, we'll talk with industry experts who enable innovation and make government more responsive and secure by advancing key technologies. Now, here's your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Jeffrey Phelan, the Chief Technology Officer for Public Sector at Rubrik. Jeffrey, welcome to the program. Hey, it's great to be here, Jason. Let me just set a little context for our discussion today. Data is and will continue to be the lifeblood of federal agencies. But as agencies move to the cloud and continue to live in a hybrid world, the complexity of networks and systems only will increase in the short term. This is why federal data management efforts are critical to reducing complexity, cost, and increasing value. Agencies are getting plenty of help, from the Federal Data Strategy Roadmap to the Evidence-Based Policy Making Act to the growth of chief data officers across the government, agencies are slowly getting their data house in order. They're digging into their data to understand what is accurate and what isn't, but this is not an easy process to say the least. The Federal Data Strategy Action Plan says agencies are making progress. The most recent report says that as of September 30th, eight agencies have put a data strategy or roadmap in place. Five agencies have developed a plan for capital planning for enterprise data assets and infrastructure, and five agencies have adopted a master data management program. Additionally, 20 agencies have conducted and documented their outcome of their initial data maturity assessment. Still a lot of work to do, however, and that includes enterprise data governance, access data for decision-making, and how to improve the public's use of the data. So how can agencies reach many of these goals? Well, that's why my guest is here. Jeffrey Phelan is the Chief Technology Officer for Public Sector at Rubrik. Data modernization, let's start there. What does it mean? A lot of it revolves around understanding what data you have, but how, how do you all look at data modernization, Jeffrey? Well, I think your comment about sort of the report card that these different agencies uh, have submitted gives you a good view into what they're doing, right? Everybody's uh, at a different point along uh, sort of this maturity model, right, in terms of what does that mean to them? And as they look at modernization, they have to look at not just the technology stack, but their, their business processes, their operational processes, how they're acquiring technology, um, cost centers, how they're staffing it, training it. So it's fairly comprehensive. So one of the challenges is when you go in to talk to uh, different organizations, and um, I've briefed about 450 customers uh, across the Department of Defense in the last three years, there's a little bit of a deer in the headlights um, feeling sometimes because it can be very, very overwhelming. Anyone who's telling you that migrating to the cloud is easy is just they're lying to you, right? Um, we tend to red pill our customers and our partners that we work with in the DOD, we call them mission partners. Um, and there's a fair amount of sausage making. And so we like to walk them through what that typical engagement looks like, some of the scar tissue that we have, lessons learned. And that tends to get, um, you know, our customers to relax a little bit. They realize that they're not, yet, they're not getting sold something, but they're actually working with a partner who's sort of been through the trenches understands um, where the really hard stuff is, what mistakes um, you can make that don't really throw you off and, and how to get started, right? A little bit of a crawl, walk and run approach. Does that make sense? It's interesting, 450 customers, we always forget how big DOD is. Yeah. When you say that they're caught in a little bit of a deer in the headlights, what kind of questions are they asking? Because data is something that's not new. We've been talking about it for years. We know the importance of it, but what's, what's the deer in the headlights? Well, a little bit of it's just the sheer magnitude, right? The number of systems, the number of applications, and all the locations where this data uh, is residing. 
And what we found is, is that there tends to be a little bit of data call fatigue uh, within the government. They've had so many starts and stops and so many new initiatives and mandates and policies, and then you run into continuing resolutions and maybe money's not there. And what happens is we're finding that information about their data, just the inventory of where it is uh, and what those systems are, many times is not accurate. So when you sit down with an organization, invariably somebody has been tagged kind of the spreadsheet jockey, right? They've been told to go get all this data, pull it together. And I can honestly tell you, I mean, I've literally had to review 1 million line spreadsheets with people, which is just mind numbing, right? And so when you start going through that data and reviewing it with the actual application owners and the data center owners, they very quickly say, you know what? I don't think that's right. And it's just because it's been copied, pasted, transferred, updated, shared, posted, you know, there's version control. It's all normal reasons, right? It's just the, the reality of how a lot of this process has been handled in the past in a manual fashion. And so one of the areas that we get pulled into very quickly is to help provide some fidelity to that data. So um, within our technology stack, we've got a really neat capability that allows us to come in and kind of scan their infrastructure and provide them with an indexing and an inventory and an understanding. And once we do that, we actually now have an empirical baseline where we can agree on, okay, this is verified data that we can both agree on. How do we get started? And just that small step alone, believe it or not, <laughs> makes a major difference to organizations because they're all, I can tell you, 100% of the people we've talked to are grappling with this issue. Help me understand because you have, there's two, there's multiple types of data, but the two data we kind of talk about is structured and unstructured data. Sure. So when walk me through a process by which you're going to help me index my data when I know I have some data and I don't know what data I don't have or I have maybe sometimes. I'm not looking for the technical side of it, but, but sure. the process side of it, I guess. Well, the biggest thing really is just sizing their environment, right? So whether it's structured or unstructured, they're just not sure how much data they have. And invariably, um, when an organization has to move data to the cloud, um, their security officers are saying, okay, you have to tell me what's your data protection policy going to be. And many times in these organizations, if they're controlling the data centers, they own the data centers, um, those policies may be a little squishy or maybe they're just not gonna work in the cloud, right? And so one of the first things is beyond whether it's structured or unstructured is just how much data is there, right? So figuring out that sizing, that helps them understand how much data do they have to move? How much storage are they gonna have to buy? Um, what's the change rate or growth of that data gonna look like over time? So that's the biggest challenge. And then once we understand whether it's structured and sitting in databases, or unstructured and sitting in like object storage or something like that, then we can begin to help them define what that target environment looks like and the sizing and the tiering of that storage, uh, whether it's in the cloud or they're just consolidating a data center. So, you know, I think it's important that many times before they can move to the cloud, organizations are shutting down data centers or they're consolidating 
data centers, right? And so that's sort of the first step in the process. They got to get it all together. Um, they're trying to eliminate a lot of these facility costs and get out of the sort of the data center business and really get into the data business, right? The data is the mission for them. I think that's really a great point about data is the business for them, but also get out of the data center business. Because if you don't know what you have, then how do you know where you're going? And some of this data will change. And some of it is, if you will, legacy data that won't change. I imagine that's part of the conversation too, where you're saying to them, some of this can remain in-house. You don't need to push everything to the cloud. You can say, here's a set of data that maybe hasn't changed in five years or 10 years or may not be expected to change. That's Walk me through that part of the conversation too. Well, what it really comes down to, Jason, is um, not how often the, the data is accessed, right? Whether it's uh, once a year, once every seven years or every day, uh, people really think about access to data the way they think about a dial tone on their phone. They just expect it to be there all the time. And so that's really what we specialize in. So I'll give you an example. Um, there are probably hundreds of petabytes of data sitting on tape inside Iron Mountain facilities, you know, all over this country. And, you know, that's typically how a lot of uh, older or legacy data has been stored. And the reality is, particularly with COVID and the pandemic, is people want to get access to that historical data, right? And so, you know, we have customers that we're working with where we're helping to digitize, index, and metadata tag that information so they can get it over into the cloud and now they can begin to run analytics on it in real time. And what's really cool is um, some of our founding team came out of Google and one of the discriminators we have is we actually have this Google-like search capability that lets you go and find a specific file regardless of where it is. So if it's in the data center or if it's in AWS or Azure or in another cloud provider, you can basically type that file name in or that keyword in and we're gonna go and find it for you. So it's pretty neat. And the reason that matters, Jason, is historically, if you had data sitting in a cloud, you'd have to go and say, oh, I think it's in this volume of data. You'd go grab that. You'd have to download and pull that whole volume of data down. You'd have to effectively restore it. And then you start searching through that volume of data. And when you pull all of that data down out of the cloud, you get charged for it. So maybe you just need a one gigabit file, but you had to pull it out of a terabyte uh, of, of data in the volume. Well, with our capabilities, you just go and find that file and you just pull that one gig down, right? So it saves you a lot of money. In some cases, it's saving customers 70, 80% of their egress charges, which is a big, big deal these days in terms of going to the cloud. But um, the other thing that's very interesting, we have an Air Force customer. Right now, uh, they have about 125 million paper documents, and it's all aircraft maintenance documentation that they have to literally digitize and make available. And so that's two-sided documents. It's got diagrams in it. It's got keywords. So for example, if, um, you know, if there's an accident or some kind of parts failure, they have to be able to go back into that data and they have to be able to go back seven years from an investigations perspective and find that. So they can literally put in a tail number of an aircraft and it'll pull up every document associated with that tail number and they can just pull it out. So it's a, it's a game changer. The analogy I use is like that, uh, you know, the Indiana Jones movie where they're pushing the Ark of the Covenant into the giant warehouse. Well, guess what? That exists all over the federal government. And what we're excited about is we can begin to digitize and index that information 
and really put it at the fingertips of the operators um, virtually in real time. It's very, very exciting. So these are the kinds of conversations we have um, with organizations and uh, within leadership um, where they really start to sit up and understand the art of the possible. Jeffrey, we're right up on the break, but just real quick, I mean, this is why the cloud is, is such a key piece to this discussion because that can sit in the cloud. You can go in and out of it, do analytics on top of it. I mean, that, that's why the, 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 the advancement in technology is making all this possible. Well, that's right. And, and you get all of the, uh, the benefits, both from an economic perspective as well as an infrastructure perspective. So historically in the government, they say, well, how much you know, capacity do you think you're going to need? You know, and somebody kind of you know, comes up with a multiplier and a number and they say, we need X. And what, hap- what happens? They have to go and buy X and they pay for it up front. And guess what? That's like maybe two days out of the year where they need that much capacity and the rest of the time it's coming down, but they've had to pay for it. So the elastic capacity and the cost savings around the cloud really is a big needle mover as well. When you uh, put your thumb up, I thought you were going to do the thing with the wind and see what the way the wind's blowing. But I like yours good, too. Uh, let's take a quick break. You're listening to the discussion Innovation in Government, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Network. Agencies across the federal government are learning how to leverage their data as a strategic asset. Rubric can help. Rubric helps agencies modernize and automate backup and recovery while easily extending data management to the cloud and protecting data assets from compromise. Rubric helps agencies implement a cloud-smart approach to data management that eliminates legacy complexity, allowing agencies to leverage their data in support of their mission. Learn more. Visit rubric.com federal. That's rubric.com federal. Welcome back. You're listening to the discussion Innovation in Government, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Jeffrey Phelan, the Chief Technology Officer for Public Sector at Rubric. Now, Jeffrey, before break, we we're talking about data management and the challenges agencies are having. We touched upon the cloud a little bit, but really the goal of all of this is to really leverage data as the strategic asset. I think that's the, the, the buzzword we love to use, but it's analytics and it's, it's, we'll get into this a little bit later, AI and ML and all those fun things. But let's start there. How does this set up agencies, this approach to data management, set up agencies to really make their data even more valuable? Well, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about having access to the data, right? And historically, because they had their own data centers and they were managing and they could sort of touch the blinky lights, you know, it was easier for them to be able to manage that. And, you know, we've participated in um, a bunch of roundtables and had discussions with folks in the public health sector right now. And what's interesting is that whole sort of industry vertical and part of our economy has gone from what they refer to as a high touch environment, right? Having great bedside manner to a no touch environment where everything's being done remotely. And so you hear physicians and providers talk about having a good website manner, right? How are they dealing with this? Well, what's interesting under the covers there is that that data now, which historically has been in offices, in labs, in facilities, has to be available everywhere. It's got to be available on mobile devices. It's got to be available around the globe. It's got to be instantly available. And those are non-trivial aspects from a technology perspective. perspective that you've got to be able to deliver. So, you know, from an intellectual property perspective, some of our founders, as I mentioned, came out of Google and out of um, Oracle and the Exadata platform and these other real, what we refer to as hyperscale capabilities, right? So we're trying to help organizations manage their data globally. 
And so when you start looking at security and access and instant uh, availability of that data, now you get into some real game-changing capabilities that we want to help customers really understand. I think the healthcare perspective is really, it's, it's a good example because as you said, so much of it now is going to be looking at the data and helping people understand, oh, if you do this, you can feel better or we have to change that part of your medication. Walk me through. So, so our agency is starting to kind of understand when you talk to those 460 some DOD customers, they really want that end goal of data as a strategic asset. It's getting to that point, really starting to go down that path is what the challenge is. Yeah. So they understand that it's a crawl, walk and run, right? You can't boil the ocean. And I think it's very important that organizations in particular, they have, to, they have to get some wins early, right? So we talk about hitting singles and doubles because a large part of, uh, of this really is, is, the, is the psychology of can we do this? Is it going to be successful? You know, because in the federal government, reliability is, is paramount, right? And so when you begin to move your mission critical data out of an environment that you own, control, can see and touch, and maybe in many cases even work in, and you're now putting it out into a commercial provider's environment, or you're putting it into a partner's data center, people get really nervous about that, right? Um, if you go into a meeting where most of the people in the room are dressed in camouflage, they really get nervous about their data sort of being what they call outside of the wire. That's why one of our key partnerships is with GDIT and the MillCloud 2 program where they're running a commercial cloud service, but it's riding on the DOD networks, right? And so being able to provide commercial cloud services that effectively sit inside the DOD network infrastructure, but is on commercial parity from a pricing and capability perspective is very exciting. So this is an area where we've really been able to innovate on behalf of the government because a lot of times their acquisition models or how long things take to be able to actually get technology. It's, you know, one of the things that's, that's been frustrating that we've been help, helping uh, customers in the government deal with is the fact that they'll have a requirement, right? Right now you talk about Operation Warp Speed. They're trying to make these capabilities available very quickly. And historically, it may take them a year or two years, sometimes three years to be able to get their hands on that capability. And by the time they actually get it, they're already two or three years behind, right, from a, from a release perspective. And so this is where working with partners, we're getting them the latest and greatest capabilities. And that's really allowing them to have this flywheel effect in terms of keeping up with mission requirements and making sure that they can deliver these services and provide data out to their customers as rapidly as possible. And in the end, really what we're talking about here is that piece of applying data to mission, let, let the mission owners get the data they need to, to drive decisions. When you talk about those early wins, and I think that's a key, we hear that often, whether it's uh, technology, whether it's something like DevSecOps, or whether we talk about mm -hmm. agile development, show that it can work. With data, there seems to be, you get wins every day, right? Every time I use data for something, is there a difference between what you guys look at as an early win and what maybe the average person says, oh, well, I've, I can do that or, or that, that helps me make a decision. Is there kind of another level down of better decision-making that, that we, you can help get them to? Well, I think it comes down to the strategic, strategic objective of that organization, right? So if you talk to um, you know, leadership within the Department of Defense, the definition of success is like, we were able to close that data center down, right? which means we've, we've been able to take an application that's been running in our data center, 
we've been able to move it over to the cloud. We're able to get all of that data over to the cloud. It's fully synchronized and it's operational in production. And now they can turn that cost center off on the other side, right? So that's really an ultimate sort of success story. Um, in other areas, organizations that maybe have struggled, um, maybe for them it's, hey, we've got test and development environments up and running, right? We were able to synchronize data back and forth between our current operation and the cloud. Um, sometimes it's with certifications, right? Um, in our space, we talk about workloads, right? Um, maybe they can move their mail to the cloud, but they can't move their Oracle, for example, right? So it, it really comes down to every customer is different. And it's really important to help uh, get a clear understanding of what success looks like because they need to be able to report up their management chain. Here's the progress we're making. You know, here's what we've been able to accomplish. And here's how that maps back against, you know, someone's got a dashboard somewhere with red, green, and yellow on it, right? And uh, part of the challenge is there's a lot of these dashboards that have yellow and red, and they're putting really smart people and spending a lot of money on this problem, and they're not making the progress that they always want to. And that's candidly why we end up getting pulled into a lot of these operations and a lot of these initiatives, because we're automating a lot of that, we're reducing complexity, and we're driving cost out, which allows them to move along sort of that progression that they need to be able to demonstrate to get the additional dollars and commitments from leadership. One of the other pieces to this is the data has to be in better shape so you can start applying these emerging technologies like AI, artificial intelligence and machine learning. How does the data management plan, since we're talking about this in many ways, set agencies up for that longer term goal? Well, I think uh, what has to happen when you sit down with leadership, you have to help them think about the problem a little bit differently. So historically, they've really managed data where, where, where it lived, right? So, so if it's in my data center on, on my premise. And what we try to do is we try to get them to start thinking about not being concerned about where the data is or where it's gonna go or even where it's moving, but that they have a consistent view of that data everywhere, right? <clears throat> in our space, historically, organizations in order to manage their data, they write all these independent jobs. So this application has to, you know, I got to write 25 jobs to make sure I'm taking care of how much, it, how many times it's replicated, when it's saved, where it's saved, do I have a disaster recovery plan? Do I have high availability? All of that, very granular, right? And computers will do whatever we ask them to do. And so we're using people historically to write all of those steps. And one of the things that we bring in, as you talked about AI and machine learning, is we have this declarative framework, which allows us to use artificial intelligence and machine learning to, to automate that whole tradecraft, automate that whole workflow. So they don't have to necessarily think about that anymore. So a lot of organizations don't even understand that that's possible. So once we help them understand that they can get their shop in order on premise, and that by the way, that same hierarchy and that same policy mechanism can be applied out into the cloud, that's when they start going like, oh, wow, I didn't realize we could do that. And that allows them to then begin to say, okay, we can now bring this other data over. We can make that data available because remember, they can't just move it without protecting it, right? And they need to have an understanding. If someone has to write, so we have a customer that has, they write 1,200 different incremental jobs to manage the data in their organization. Well, guess what? we came in and we reduced that down to, I don't know, 45. 
huge difference. So now they're just pushing buttons and a lot of this is automated. So now that they have the confidence that the data is protected, it's consistent across all their applications and across their organization, and it's now secure and managed in the same fashion in the cloud, now they're like, okay, how do we start to run analytics on it? How do we begin to get better information out of that data? So the stewardship, the governance, and the security is foundational before they can move that over because they're in the DOD, they have authorizing officials. Someone has to sign off on that, right? In the commercial sector, they're making, you know, board members and the CEOs sign off on the cybersecurity plan or they go to jail, right? So this, this is a non-trivial issue and that's what creates a hesitance at times because they're nervous about that. It's a great example of the customer 1200 incremental jobs managed data, reducing one that down to 45, but then also now adding automation, which is the other piece of this quick discussion we're having that you can start automating a lot of the analytics once you have your data in a better spot. And that automation saves time, saves money, and lets, if you will, the federal employees focus on the decision, not the data. Yeah, this has always been a very labor intensive uh, process, right? So when we go in and we talk to folks and we talk about data modernization, we sort of pull up this slide, I call it the sausage making slide, and it's got all the different teams, you've got sort of your infrastructure teams, your application teams, and then your cloud teams. And each one of those groups has dozens, dozens of tools. All those tools have different scripts, different licensing agreements, different payment terms, different people. There's a lot of tribal knowledge that sits down in that infrastructure. So part of what we try to do is help organizations understand that we can eliminate that complexity. They can take those really smart people that are doing a lot of clerical, I call pick and shovel work, and let's put them on the analytical side of things. Let's put them on the mission critical areas of your business. And uh, we had one customer, they had, I think, eight people just running, you know, backup jobs in their infrastructure. And I don't know, that was probably uh, several million uh, dollars that they were spending to do that. And we were able to show them how they could run that infrastructure with two people, right? And so when an organization goes from every person spends two hours every single day just restarting those jobs, those 1,200 jobs that they wrote, the first two hours of everybody's day is spent restarting those jobs that failed from the day before. I mean, we have one customer where that went from 25% of their entire team's time down to about 20 minutes of one guy's day. That's a, that is a massive, massive difference. And so these are sort of the bread and butter fixes, modernization, automation uh, elements that it's not real sexy, but if you can go into an organization and tell them that, and you can demonstrate it to them and say, Oh, by the way, go and, pick up the phone and call the CIO at customer XYZ or organization X. And they talk to them. They're like, yeah, it saved me 90% on my egress charges. I reduced my FTEs uh, or my labor costs by 80%. Um, they really buy in and they can really begin to understand. I tell people it's a little bit like buying a Ferrari and then you drive it around in the parking lot in first gear. Why do that? Let's get it out on the road. Let's put the top down and really open it up. And that's the exciting part of what we're able to do for customers. Jeffrey, this is a fascinating conversation. Unfortunately, we are out of time. So let me thank my guest, Jeffrey Phelan, the Chief Technology Officer for Public Sector at Rubric. Jeffrey, thank you so much for taking the time today. Thanks, Jason. I appreciate it. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to the discussion Innovation in Government, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search innovation.
Thank you for listening to the Innovation and in Government Show, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Network. The entire discussion can be found on demand at federalnewsnetwork.com, keyword innovation.